It's an exciting time of the year again where households all across America are thinking about the same thing, filing our income taxes. <laughs> it might not be very exciting to you, but it is extremely exciting for my special guest today. Joy Lutz is a CPA and owner of Aligned CPA in Lake City, Florida, where she helps professional service businesses with accounting, tax preparation, and proactive tax planning. Joy is a certified tax coach with the American Institute of Certified Tax Planners, and she was named Top 40 under 40 CPA in the accounting profession for 2015 by the CPA Practice Advisor. She also earned the Small Business of the Year Award in 2016 by the Lake City, Columbia County Chamber of Commerce. Joy is involved in many organizations in her community, and we are honored to have her on the show today to share some free tax advice for us to help us be better prepared going into this tax season and to help us get organized and stay organized with our paperwork and with our taxes. She's going to share with you some best practices as well as some good habits to get into so that you don't dread tax season. But first, let me remind you about the Photo Reset Bootcamp that is starting January 25th. If you have gone years without downloading your pictures from your phone, backing them up, organizing them, or decluttering them and only having the photos that you actually love and enjoy, then you need to join this boot camp right now. We are going to reset our phone, reset our computer, and start over for 2022. You're going to keep all of your photos. Well, you're going to keep all the photos that are important to you. And I'm going to show you the process that I do and the workflow that I have performed to be able to declutter and download and organize and all the things for my digital photos. And let me just tell you, I feel so much better having after having walked through this process and getting my phone organized and my photos organized. I went from 16,000 to 6,000. I'm still working on previous years, but I've done all of 2021, and I cannot wait to share this process with you and see you also get control of your digital clutter. To sign up for the bootcamp, go to habitsandhome.com slash photo reset. You do not want to miss this opportunity because after the live workshop and live bootcamp, the price is going to double because it's going to be that good. So don't wait get into it now. All right, friends, we're going to dive right in with Joy and talk about taxes. Hi, and welcome to the Habits and Home Show. I'm your host, Lisa Lazat, and I help busy moms bring order to their homes by downsizing and decluttering and ditching old habits in exchange for systems that bring peace and more enjoyment to their lives. We have too much stuff, not enough space or time, and lack the motivation to get our life together. We need simplified solutions to tame the chaos around us and be available, both mind and body, to experience all the joy that life has to offer. Are you ready, friend? Let's get started. Hi, Joy, and welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you on. 
Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, well, I know that it is the beginning of the year. And as with the beginning of the year, everyone starts thinking about their taxes. <laughs> and it's almost like this black cloud that hangs over the first four months of the year. And I'm hoping by having you on the show today and walking us through some common questions that most of us have with tax preparation, staying organized with our taxes throughout the year, that people can just feel a lot more at ease, more at peace, feel more confident in their taxes, in their bookkeeping, and staying more organized. Yeah, you know, I hate to hear the term black cloud because I don't want anybody to feel that way. And just kind of remember that knowledge is power. So the more that you know about something, the easier you are going to feel about it. And I would just say, don't be overwhelmed and don't also don't ignore. That's, you know, a common thing. Sometimes we ignore things that we don't know what to do about. Um, so just get the information you need to not have that black cloud. And I have been very bad about ignoring things in the past and they caught up to me and I just, I think it's best, like you said, is not ignoring it, going ahead and becoming more knowledgeable about these different topics that you're not comfortable with. I told my husband just the other day that I wanted to start taking courses in financial investments because that's not an area that I'm knowledgeable in. So I think it's really important for people to continue their knowledge and their learning and to like you said, not ignore it, but to make themselves more aware. So we're going to do that today. And um, like I mentioned earlier in your intro that you are a tax coach. So what does that entail and what does that look like? So I am a certified tax coach and that is through the American Institute of Certified Tax Planner. And what that really means is that I spend a lot of time in education in proactive tax planning. So in my CPA firm, we are more proactive than we are reactive. We work with clients on the front end to point out different tax strategies that they can start to implement. So we do that, you know, maybe six, eight, 12 months in advance uh, before you're filing your taxes, just to make sure that we're really minimizing that dollar amount and you're keeping more money in your pocket. Okay. Well, I want to sign up for that <laughs> because that sounds fabulous. And I, I mean, I, I think about just life coaches in general. I mean, you're always trying to press the person or push the person in the direction that they want to go push them to the finish line. And, um, I think that you can get coaching in every area. And I never even thought of having a tax coach. So how cool is that, that you offer that service? So thank you so much. All right, let's dive into some of the questions that we have today, and we're going to break this into different, two different segments. First for the individual's um, households, personal filing. And then we're going to talk about, we're going to switch gears and talk to the small business and new business owners. So the first question I had was, what is the best way for someone to get organized and stay organized with their finances and their tax info? So I think this all revol revolves a lot around habits and really creating a system or a process for this. So my one tip would be to have one place that everything goes. 
you might not know what these things are. Like if you're getting tax forms in the mail, like you might not have any clue what they're for, but put them all in one place. That way you can figure out later, is it something that you need or is it something that your professional needs? but you know where it's at and you're not scrambling to try and find, Hey, where did I put this? Or where is that? Is it in my car? Is it in my kitchen drawer? It's in this one file in this one spot. Perfect. And I recommend a lot of on on the show and in my own personal professional organizing business is everything should have a place and you know where that place Mm -hmm. is. So that's perfect. And it aligns very much with what I believe. So that being said, you say that somebody should, take what's coming in and put it all in one spot. But what are those things that are coming in that we should hold on to? Because I have clients that I serve and they hold on to every bill, every statement, every single thing. What are the necessities that people should actually hold on to? And like I said, this is part of just the personal financial household. Okay. So even not just tax documents, let's just say like year round documents, I would say always hold on to anything that is a contract that you're going to have to either make payments over time, or it has some sort of contract obligation that you have signed up for. And the reason is you just want to be prepared in case anything ever comes back to bite you and making sure you have the documentation you need to know what you agree to. So I would definitely save that. And I would even save that um, several years after the contract has expired. Um, You know, and I'll probably repeat this several times, but Google Drive is your BFF because you can scan and save anything. And so now it's not cluttering your home, but you have a spot for it. So, so I guess when I said earlier, like you're keeping all this stuff, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a physical spot. You could scan and save it into one spot. Um, just make sure you're not doing that on your computer drive in case that crashes. Perfect. So back to the documents, I would save anything that's a contract obligation, um, anything real estate involved. So if you have bought a home or you have sold a home, you definitely are going to want to save those settlement HUD statements. Um, or if you've made major improvements to any real estate, whether that's your home or investment property, you're going to want to save all of those invoices. You know, if you go and you put a new roof on your home, save that invoice, because a lot of times that invoice too will have any information on there about a warranty. So, you know, if your roof leaks in two years, you want to make sure that you've got the documentation you need to back up and go back to that roofer to figure out what's going on. And if you are obligated to pay out of pocket or not. Um, any, so any major purchases, vehicles, um, you always want to save those warranties and, um, vendor invoices. A lot of time that is just in your glove box in your car, which is fine to keep it there. Um, just know that that is where it's at if you need it. Right. Um, and then, you know, there's a whole thing on, there's a lot of medical stuff you should save as well. Um, I would say build out your own medical file for like any major procedures or any shot records and stuff like that for your kids. Okay. Um, make sure you're saving that as well. Okay. Are any of those documents going to be needed for filing taxes? Um, the main documents that would be needed would be selling. I mentioned selling real estate. So if you've okay. sold real estate, um, those come on, they call them a settlement statement or referred to as a HUD statement. You would need those documents. Okay. So like home renovations and things like that are not going to be able to be written off on personal taxes, correct? 
Um, the majority of things are not because of personal use. Now there's a couple credits out there that you could qualify for. Um, there's a big one on solar panels for your roof. Um, there's also some credits on energy efficient property. Um, so don't quote me on these cause I haven't read that okay. lately, but if you are, um, putting new windows in or new insulation, there's certain credits that you may be eligible for. Okay. So I would always, um, I always tell my clients like when in doubt, give me the information you have, and then I'll make the decision on if we can do something with it or not, because Perfect. if you don't present it to your, um, professional, then you're going to get zero. Perfect. Great. Great information. Okay. Okay. So what about charitable donations? I know in the past that we've been able to write them off and we've saved them like tithing to your church and dropping donations off at the Goodwill. They always ask me if I want to receipt. are charitable donations able to be written off on taxes? Okay. I'll make this as easy as possible. So think of it as two buckets. You get a bucket that is a standard deduction um, for a married couple, that's around 25,000, or you get an itemized deduction. So on your tax return, you're going to get the greater of either the standard or the itemized. Itemized deductions include charitable deductions, but it also includes mortgage interest, real estate taxes, stuff like that. So a lot of times you may not have enough deductions to itemize, but you'll get the standard. So that is kind of where charitable deductions fall in. However, to complicate this a little more, <laughs> um, which, you know, Congress does to us, um, for 2021 and 2022, they gave you an additional standard deduction. So if you did not itemize, you could take potentially $300 to $600 in charity deductions, even if you didn't itemize. So. Yes, you can take charitable deductions. There's several rules that apply to that. So if you're not sure, give those receipts to your tax professional. Perfect. That's basically the cut and dry answer that I'm looking for because it, this can all get overwhelming, especially if you're not privy of the information and you're not um, knowledgeable of taxes and write-offs and everything. So in a nutshell, when in doubt, save it give it to your tax professional. <laughs> yes. And I'll tell you like as a profession, the past three years, we have seen more tax law changes than in 15 years, probably. Wow. So things have constantly been changing due to COVID and changes in elections and stuff like that. So we have seen so many rule changes that every single year is different. So would you recommend, I mean, at what, at what point do you recommend somebody use a tax profession to file their taxes instead of doing it on their own? You know, and that can be kind of tricky because it also depends on like your, um, your knowledge of taxes, your comfort level also. I tell clients all the time that you're going to save more money working with us than the fee that we charge you. Right. And that's because we can make recommendations or we can ask additional questions. Now, if you just simply have a W-2, maybe a little interest income, you're probably okay filing on, you know, an online service. But if you start to get into a higher tax bracket or um, have different investments or even children related, especially once they get into college, stuff like that, 
you're going to end up saving more money by using a tax professional. Thank you so much for that advice. Okay. Do you have any other tips and ideas for saving on taxes for the common person who's not a business owner that people may not be aware of or know about? Um, The first thing I would say is make sure that you're taking advantage of all of your retirement contributions that you, your employer offers to you. So if you are a W-2, most of the time, if you have an employer plan, they will match that. So if you're not participating, you're not only losing out on that match, but you're also losing out on the fact that these are pre-tax benefits, meaning you don't pay tax on them. So number one is retirement. Um, Number two, I love HSAs, which are health savings accounts. However, you have to have a high deductible health insurance plan in order to contribute to them. Um, And the reason that I love them, a lot of people don't realize is you can put this money into an HSA and then you use it pre-tax for medical expenses, such as co-pays, doctor's visits, prescriptions. Um, And sometimes people tell me, hey, I don't have a lot of medical, which is fine because that account will turn into a retirement account at 59 and a half. So you can now basically have two different retirement plans. I did not know that at all. And we currently don't have health insurance. So that is a really good idea. And I'm going to look into that soon. (laughs) Well, that's the kicker though. You can't participate in an HSA plan without health insurance. So you have to have that in plan. Yeah. It's, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I feel like they should offer it to everyone, but I don't write the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, and I mentioned before another, another good deduction is that charity deduction that is special for 21 and 22 um, because a lot of people don't itemize anymore. Now that the limits are so high. So if you're married, you can get an extra $600 deduction just for that. Okay, great. These are great things to keep in mind as we go throughout the year and filing for our taxes. All right, now let's switch gears to the other side of out, you know, outside of the of just the personal taxes and the household. And a lot of people that I serve on the podcast and in person with my organization business are small business owners. And these are typically moms who have network marketing businesses, direct sales, or an Etsy store or something very small like that. So let's switch gears. So for someone, let's say they're, they're thinking about starting a business. Are there any tax advantages with the structure that they choose in setting up their business? There are. Um, first, let's talk about usually if someone's smart, they're starting and they're starting smaller, um, meaning that you're not about to advertise and have a million dollar revenue. So if you're starting small um, and let's say you don't even know what that revenue is going to be, but it's somewhere under $50,000 for the year, then um, a lot of people talk LLCs. So I will say if you are a one owner person and you want to start an LLC, There is no tax benefit to starting that, but there is a lot of liability benefit to that. Um, I'm not an attorney, so I can't give legal advice. I always have to give that disclaimer. Um, So what an LLC is doing is it's giving you liability protection, not tax protection. Okay. So um, keep that in mind when doing that. So what I like to do is say, if you're going to start small, like make it easy. You can always choose to be an LLC down the road. 
Right. Um, and then once you get bigger, there are different entity structures that you would want to look at that you can save money on. But those can be expensive to operate in because you have different record keeping requirements and different fees and stuff like that, that it doesn't make sense in the beginning. Right. So starting small, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it small. Perfect. I know when I started my LLC, that when I went to the bank to start my business account, that I had to keep a minimum of $1,000 in there. And I know that a lot of new business owners and small business owners, they don't have that to start with. And so keep that in mind from my personal experience that you might want to um, work out of your your personal account for a while. And, And so that's another question that I have. What, when should somebody consider getting a business account account instead of working out of their personal account? I like to always recommend having a separate account. Now, if you, um, I don't know how the bank feels about this, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a business account. Like if you have a separate account that you've just had for years and you're starting a business, you can just say, Hey, I'm going to designate this account for business. The reason that I like that is a couple of reasons. Um, Number one, it helps you track easier that, you know, if you're constantly using that business debit card or writing checks out of that account, you're not going to miss those tax deductions at the end of the year. And then number two, if you were to be audited by the IRS, if your record keeping is clean and organized, they are more likely to not hound you on certain issues. So let's say that you have an expense that could be business, could be personal. Well, if you constantly keep good records and everything going through this one bank account is business related, that auditor is more likely to say, okay, we're going to give you that. Whereas if you're just a hot mess over here and nothing is organized and it is here and there and everywhere, you're going to have a problem with the auditor. And that's where I used to be. I had a separate account from our personal account where I had my income for my business coming in there, but then I would also use it for personal expenses as well. And it felt like a hot mess. And it took me months during the first of the year to get everything organized and to go back and backtrack. And I hated it. And so once I disciplined myself to not use that account for my personal use, everything is so much cleaner. It has made bookkeeping a dream. And so I, and and so what I do now is that I actually pay myself a paycheck. So I have income coming in and then I pay myself. We, we like to do our budget based on monthly instead of like bi-weekly. And so I pay myself at the beginning of the month, one lump sum from my business account. And so everything that's coming out of there from then on is just business expenses. Yeah. And you know, I meet so many business owners that are surprised at tax time and they're always like, I didn't make that much money or where did it go? Whereas if you're tracking it in one account, you know exactly where it went and you can have a better gauge on whether you're making money or you're not. And that doesn't matter what size business you are, especially, and so I would say, especially on the smaller end, you know, you know, hey, if at the end of the month, you've got $5,000 left in that bank account, you've probably made somewhere around that amount. And it's going to help you see the money you're making and not making money. It's going to help you see why not. Right. Um, So the answer to that question, as far as a business bank account is, 
you don't necessarily have to have a designated business account, but have a separate account that you are using for business. Okay. So unless you went into like an L I'm sorry, unless you went into like an LLC or a corporation at that point, it is required. I don't even know to say it's required. I would say it's required based on my standards. You have to have a separate account, a separate account or a separate, like a designated business account. If you're a corporation, you have to have a designated business account okay. in that business name. Okay. Yes. Because I, if anybody writes me a check to my business name, I have to, it's only able to be deposited into my account that has my business name on there. Now, if somebody's just, yep. if you're, I guess if you're marketing with like an, like a business name, but they write a check to you personally, it could go into like a personal, like designated personal business account. Correct. Okay. So on the lines of getting organized and staying organized, what best advice do you have for a new business owner to set up their bookkeeping and to stay organized with that? Okay. So I think this has to do, um, it also has to do with number of transactions that you have, but let's assume that you're on the smaller side and you're just getting set up. Um, I mentioned earlier that Google Drive is going to be your best friend. I love Google Sheets and putting everything into a spreadsheet. Um, and the reason is there are, there are a lot of online bookkeeping softwares that you can use, but they are complicated if you don't know bookkeeping and they can't, they cost you a monthly subscription. So if you're trying to kind of bootstrap this, use something like Google Sheets, set up um, like a check register, something like that. So you can track the money coming in, the money going out. That's going to be your best bet as a startup. Yes. I subscribed this past year to QuickBooks. And yes, it is a monthly subscription. Um, but I had really bad habits with bookkeeping. And so I needed this extra help to help me stay on top of it. And QuickBooks is automatic. It's set up to, it's connected to my bank account. So all of those transactions are coming through. And all I have to do is label it business or personal, which all of them are business because I've gotten into a really good habit of that. Um, And it keeps up with income and expenses and everything and gives you a printout. So if, like Joy said, if you're trying to bootstrap it and trying to save money, which mine is $15 a month, um, then yeah, a, a spreadsheet would be great. But if you have bad habits like I did and you just ignored it like I was doing, then a software like QuickBooks may be helpful for you. And I'm hoping t- that I can eventually transition out of that and get better at having a rhythm and a routine to do my own bookkeeping and, you know, keep up with it better. That way, you know, money's staying in instead of going out. <laughs> Yeah, and we use QuickBooks a lot in our firm, um, and it has different levels of subscriptions. So as you're growing your business or things are getting more complicated, you can actually up that subscription, and it's going to give you more detailed reports um, and stuff like that. So typically, clients that work with us that they've already grown their business some will take over that monthly bookkeeping for them. And the benefit of that is there's other accounting functions that go into QuickBooks other than categorizing things. And a lot of people don't really realize that, but there's so much data there with those numbers that can help you make better business decisions, help you decide which area you want to grow of your business. It can help you look at pricing kind of across the board, just making better business decisions. That's great. 
Okay. So let's speaking of bookkeeping, what practices should business owners get into and what good habits should they establish? Okay. So I am a big fan of time blocking. Um, I don't always do it, but I'm a huge fan. I am too. (laughs) Um, I'm way more productive when I do do it. But what I would say is have a finance Friday. And the reason you want to do it on Friday is, well, because you've got the same letters right there. It's also the end of the week. You're going to celebrate your money, um, but it's going to get you into a habit and into a routine. So every Friday, look at your money, look at your bookkeeping, um, do any record keeping that you need, do anything that has to do with your finances, whether that's, you know, looking at your pricing, looking at your products, all of those things that have to do with money, do those on Friday. And the reason is you're going to start that habit and it's just going to become very easy for you. And now you no longer have that black cloud come January because you have paid attention every single week. Um, After that, I would definitely say an end of the month routine. So somewhere between the first and the fifth of the following month, you're going to look at your numbers, see how you did, see what you can improve um, and just kind of make decisions based off that information. So starting the routine is what's going to get you to that next level. Perfect. I love that. And I love, um, uh, what do you call it? Not acronyms, but uh, alliteration using like I have no fluff Friday. I love a finance Friday that really triggers me to be able to think, what am I, what am I doing today? Oh, it's Friday, finance Friday. I'm going to look at my finances. So I love that. What about mileage? Because that is not a habit that I have established yet. And now I'm having to go back. I've got all my income and expenses ready. I feel so accomplished already. It's only the second week in January. And I feel so much more ahead by using QuickBooks and by using being organized in my, my account. But mileage, I did not keep up with it this year. So what are the best practices and habits for keeping up with mileage? Okay, here's my favorite tip for mileage. And this really has to do and should hone in on having that separate bank account is what I would do is I would add this into my end of the month routine or finance Friday if you um, have a lot of mileage. If you don't do it at the end of the month or some people can even do this at the end of the year. What I like to do is I go through my bank statement. And I look at all of the charges on there. So I know if I have a charge to Office Max, I must have drove to Office Max and back. So now I can add that mileage. I will also look and see, well, how many bank deposits did I have? If I've had five bank deposits, I've driven to the bank five times. That is also going to be part of your proof if you were to get audited to the IRS. So now you've got the documentation to back it up um, and you know where your numbers came from. So that would be step one. Step two is I will then pull out my calendar and I'll look through my events for the past week or the past month. And if I had, you know, a chamber function I went to, then that's mileage or whatever. If I had a client meeting that I had to drive to, that's mileage. So that is the easiest way to recreate it if you're not tracking it day to day. I'm not a day-to-day mileage tracker. Um, I don't know who is. (laughs) (laughs) My husband, my husband is a (laughs) day-to-day mileage tracker. Yeah. I would say too, at the very beginning of the year and do it right now, if you haven't already, write down your odometer reading, because that's also going to give you more proof of your mileage for the year, because you have to be able to prove your total miles and then your business miles. So that's going to give you that information to get those numbers. Okay, great. All right. So this leads me into the most common question that 
people have is what can be written off on our small business taxes? Okay, so I'm going to start with a very basic definition. It's not very basic, but this is the IRS requirement. They say, first, a business deduction must be necessary and ordinary. So what I mean by that is if you, um, necessary and ordinary is something, think about like if you want to write off your ski equipment from your vacation, that is not necessary or ordinary in your business. However, if you were a ski instructor, you would be able to write that off because it's necessary and ordinary. So you first have to answer that question. Then you have to have a business purpose. So that is, you know, if you're writing off QuickBooks, your purpose is bookkeeping. Now you can make an argument for purposes for a lot of things. So just make sure that you have that information. Now, can you write off, you know, furniture for your living room? No, because it's not necessary for your business. Can you write off furniture for your office? Yes, because it's necessary for you to have furniture if you have a home office. So keep those things in mind um, when you're thinking about business deductions. I also tell clients to think about like, is this going to help me make more money? Is this going to help me be more efficient? Those things should qualify as well. Um, a big deduction also is meals that a lot of people don't think about. But if you are going and you are taking now it has to have a business purpose. And I believe the rule too is it can't be, you can't eat alone. Like that's not a business purpose unless you're more than 50 miles away from your home. Um, so you can't just, you know, go, go down the street to Chick-fil-A and, and write that off for meals. But if you're meeting with a prospect or a client or a business supplier, all of those things are deductible. Currently it's a hundred percent deductible. Normally it's 50%. So you got to eat. So you might as well take your customers to eat. Okay. So do you um, have to, do you have to pay for theirs for, to like prove that you're eating with someone? No, you don't. But what I like to have people do is on your receipt, right at the top, who you ate with and what it was about. Um, and this comes back to audit purposes, that if you're going to get audited, they're going to look at these things. And if you have all this documentation already, it is much easier to win. Um, so anything, like I mentioned, just basically anything to run your business is going to be a write-off. And if you are unsure on things, make that list and ask your professional about that. And they'll be able to give you that advice of whether you can or whether you can't. Right. Right. And I loved how you mentioned your home office because this year we are creating a home office and I reached out to you and said, Hey, what about all the renovations we're doing? This is necessary for me to have a home office to work out. I mean, you told me you said everything for your office, you can write off, you know? And so I've just been saving every receipt and everything that goes into that. And so it's been very, very helpful. So like, like Joy said, ask your professional, but when in doubt, just save everything. So, um, yeah, and I'll give a little disclaimer on home office. There are certain things that wouldn't be, and what that means is let's say you're going to do like an addition off the back of your house. If that is going to increase the value of your house, your deduction is not going to be as large. Right. But if you're going in there and you're buying new desks, new rugs, new computers, all of those things, that is a write off. Right. And home office. It, they've actually made it much easier to qualify for, not to qualify for, but to take is they've, there's a standard home office and it's based on 
um, home office is always based on square footage. So it looks at the square footage of your home, your office compared to your home. So if your office is 100 square foot and your home is 1,000, you now have a 10% home office deduction. That okay. 10% is, I know, this is probably getting Yeah, this is all the numbers. This is why I trust all you. The, yeah. <laughs> so you would be able to then write off 10% of mortgage interest, real estate taxes, insurance, utilities, those types of things. So what I would say is if you're confused by all of that, let your professional know you have a home office and then right. they will ask you all the questions. Perfect answer. <laughs> I am so thankful that there are people like you in the world who enjoy numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I am a, I hide from numbers. I don't even like to look at statistics or anything. And, um, it, it was funny when I started the podcast, I never looked at, um, how well it was doing. Like I just did the thing. I just keep my head down, do the thing. And before I knew it, I had thousands of, of downloads and I was like, Whoa, what's going on. <laughs> so I'm so thankful that there's people like you that like numbers and that thrive on, on knowing numbers. And, um, I'm definitely going to be coming to you about that coaching stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next question that I had was, and I had this question for you this year because our taxes have changed and Jared and I both started new businesses, but how often should you file taxes as a business owner? Okay. So filing taxes themselves is once a year, typically for an individual return that is due by April 15th. I think we get until April 18th this year. Um, if it falls on a weekend or a holiday, it goes to the next Monday. However, um, I think one of the questions you had was, how often do I have to pay my taxes? Okay. So yes. you actually file the taxes once a year. Now, as a small business owner, um, you could be required to pay quarterly. Now the IRS loves and requires for you to pay in advance. And that typically happens the first year that you owe more than $1,000. At that point, you would then need to start paying quarterly towards the next year. Um, that amount that you're paying quarterly is typically based off of the previous year. And the reason I say typically is if your years are very similar each year, that amount is going to be based off the previous year. However, let's say your business doubles or quadruples overnight, that amount should now go up um, for your quarterly payments. And I love quarterly payment. No, I don't love making the payments. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> loves like paying money. <laughs> but I think as a small business owner, it is a great habit to get into, not only because now you're making that payment and you're not going to have a huge surprise when you file your return, but also because you're going to start to see that money that's left over in your bank account is yours. It can be very misleading if you're not paying quarterly. And let's say you owe like $10,000. It's very misleading for you to think that that money in your bank account is yours when really it should go to the IRS. Exactly. And I, I know for myself, when I started my business account at the beginning of last year, I had a savings account as well. And I went ahead and paid my savings account as if I was paying my my business taxes. Um, so that might be an idea for people as well, just to get into habit of going ahead and paying yeah. your your savings account, your taxes. Um, so what percentage, I mean, I guess it, it doesn't, you don't know as far as like your age and your tax and how much you make as far as your tax bracket, but what, what is a good percentage for people say 20 to 40 years old, they're 
mompreneurs, what should they put aside for their taxes? Yeah, that number is going to be all over the board because it also depends on if you have a spouse and if they're working or if you have children and what age those children are, different credits like that. I would say if you're just starting out and you want to get into that habit, make it 10%. As you start to make more money, make it 20%. Um, Because what you have to keep in mind as a mompreneur or a freelancer is not only are you paying income taxes, you're also paying self-employment taxes, which is Social Security and Medicare taxes. So when you work for someone else on a W-2, you pay all of those taxes every two weeks or every time you get a paycheck. You just don't notice them. Right Now, when you are a freelancer, you're paying those taxes once a year. So that number can really start to add up because the self-employment tax, which like I said, is a social security and Medicare, that amount alone is 15.4%. Right. So, you know, that's going to start to add up over the year, especially as your income is going up. Right. Wow. There's so much to think about. So in a nutshell, <laughs> put some aside <laughs> so you don't. Yes. So you don't get caught later on. And I think what what helps a lot of people, a lot of mompreneurs is the fact that their their husbands work and that they pay in taxes and they also have children. So they get the tax breaks and the tax um, benefits for that. And so it kind of helps them with their small businesses. They're not having to pay in as much. But like Joy said, there may be a time where your business grows and you haven't gotten to those you don't have those benefits and those deductions anymore and you actually have to pay in and that's going to surprise a lot of people. So um, get into the habit, like Joy said, of putting some aside or, you know, consider paying, you know, um, uh, quarterly, like we'll probably have to start doing. And this is, you know, this is such a going to be such a crazy year if everyone's going to file their taxes because, you know, you might have been used to getting all of these credits or husband had W-2 withholding and stuff like that. This year they had the advanced child tax credit, which um, most people qualified for if you're under a certain income limit. Now, what that means is it's an advance. So that was a credit you would have gotten on your tax return, but they advanced it to you throughout the year. So you may not have that credit when you go to file this year. And we've kind of been warning our clients that got that like, Hey, this is going to change your return. Like you're no longer going to get this size refund because you got it July through December. Right. So keep that in mind. This year is going to be a little crazy. Yeah. And I hate that that they, I hate that they did that. And I think it's going to hurt a lot of people. And um, I just, I hope that the government doesn't do that this year because we would get these checks in the mail or in our bank account. And and I would be like, Jared, I don't want this. I, (laughs) this is going to come back and hurt us some way. um, Yeah. And as of right now, it's not continuing. There's a tax bill that they haven't been able to get passed. Um, over the past couple of months, if that bill does get passed, it is in there to make this more of a permanent thing. So just know that if it does become permanent, you can opt out of it. However, both spouse and taxpayer have to both opt out of it. So um, just kind of watch the news on that and see where that goes. It might not go anywhere, but it also might. Right. Okay. So I know this is going to vary from person to person, but what does a small business owner need to provide to a CPA in order to file her taxes? Um, First off, you would definitely want to provide all of your 
packs of documents that you've gotten in the mail. Those are usually 1099s. You're going to get like a 1099 NEC or a 1099K if you're using a payment processor, um, any forms like that because those amounts are also reported to the IRS. Now, depending on your level of activity is probably going to depend on what you're going to give to your preparer. So typically a small business client might give us a list of their expenses. Our job in my firm is to then ask them additional questions based off of those expenses. So you know, we know that certain businesses have certain types of income. So we can look at it to see like, hey, Lisa, you forgot to give tell me about your home office, but I know you work from home, so give me that information. Um, so what I would say is start with all the tax front forms and then the list of expenses that you have. And your professional is hopefully going to ask you more questions related to those expenses. Okay, perfect. Thank you. You're also, yeah, we talked about mileage earlier as well. You're going to want to throw that in there, making sure that they have those mileage for the year. Okay. So tax forms, expenses, um, and then your mileage, those are the basics. And then yep. what, whatever else your CPA or your preparer asks for. So uh, along those lines, who do you think can do their own taxes and when is it time to hire a professional? You know, I think if you're a W-2 employee um, and maybe you have a little interest or something like that, you're fine doing it yourself. I think if you have a business, you're going to see, um, you're going to get a return on investment by hiring a professional. Okay. And the reason is, you know, it's just like with medical stuff, like you're going to hire a doctor if you have issues or you're going to hire an expert. You know, if you have a legal issue, you're going to hire an expert in that field. And if you're working with the right person, they're going to save you that money far, you know, far greater than that. We like to, um, we have a thing when we give proposals to new clients, and this is usually bigger businesses, but we want to save them more than 200. So they'll have a 200% return on investment with working with us. So, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to work with us, you're going to have that return and it's not just a cost of compliance. Perfect. So it's going to be the same thing for a small business though, because there's going to be write-offs that you don't know about that your professional can help you get and help you understand what you should be getting and tracking. And, and we have to take into the time factor. Time is so valuable. And even yeah. in my, even in my profession as a professional organizer, people spend so much time on their own doing what they're not skilled and experienced in when I can come in and do it so much quicker. So take that into mm-hmm. consideration that when somebody is an exp- expert in a field that you're not an expert in, your your time that you're going to spend trying to figure it out, trying to gather up information. I, for years, I did my own taxes and I finally got smart and realized this is not worth my time uh, and yeah. I could be using this time making money somewhere else. So I really, and go ahead. Yeah. Not only that, you know, I had mentioned earlier about the complexity of the rules changing and stuff. We have seen way more notices this year, notices that weren't correct mathematically, notices that weren't correct for that taxpayer that, you know, we're just seeing probably, I would even say four times more than what we've seen in years past. And that's because the IRS is so behind. um, And the reason is they can't keep up with all these rule changes either. And so 
we've seen people before that they'll get a notice from the IRS and they'll just pay it even though they didn't owe it. So there's a lot of times that that professional is going to save you money and give you that resource to go to when you do get that dreaded letter in the mail. You know, I know just getting it in the mail um, causes anxiety. So having somebody to just turn that letter over to you is fantastic. You know, yeah. we have some clients that they won't even open it. They'll just drop it off in my <laughs> office. <laughs> I don't recommend that. I do recommend reading it first. But, you know, you we're, I tell clients all the time, we're in the relationship business. Like I'm not a form filer for you. Like I am your resource and your partner and I'm going to help you save money. So, you know, just working with the right person is, is a huge benefit. You make me want to cry because I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's been, it's been just uh, this year, you know, working with you and getting advice and knowing that I can, that everything's going to be okay. And it's not like this thing, the elephant in the room that I'm ignoring and I'm taking care of business and becoming an adult. <laughs> and, yeah, and you're putting out the fires like as they happen, you know? Yeah. So there's going to be people, there's tax preparers that you can use that you just go to once a year. And then there's tax professionals that you have as a resource year round. And, and really I'm selling that peace of mind that, you know, right. if something happens, all you have to do is shoot a quick email over and you're going to get a response from my team, you know, within the week. Um, I do tell clients all the time, like, I don't do brain surgery, so you don't need me on call. Um, it's yeah. going to be several days until you might get a return from me. It's not going to be um, that day unless you just happen to be lucky that you sent that email while I'm checking my email. <laughs> yeah, and and I align with you as far as t- time blocking. That is important to, you know, have boundaries in your business and in your personal life. So I, I align with you on that. And I won't expect an immediate <laughs> response, even though, you know, obviously we're related. And so um, I have a little bit of an advantage there. But anyway, I, all I, right. I will say we do sell an emergency access. It is very expensive and very few people need it and pay for it. But that, it is available. <laughs> that is interesting. That is interesting. Okay, last question. Are there any tax tips that you want to share for people, small business owners that they may not be aware of. We talked about this a little bit in the personal side, but from a business owner point of view, are there things that we, that are out there that we aren't aware of that we should be considering? There always are. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say that there, there's always something. Um, you know, we talked about mileage is huge for freelancers. Home office is huge. Um, doing a retirement plan is huge as well. You don't have to be working for an employer to do that. Um, we're a big fan of Roth IRAs. I have one. This has been, this has been preached to you. Um, yes. Our our (laughs) father-in-law. Yes. Our (laughs) father-in-law. Yes. (laughs) Preached this to us when we all first got married and Jared and I did an IRA and I actually just made a, a contribution on top of my monthly contribution yesterday. And, but that's good to know that that is helpful for taxes as well. Yep. And now the thing with Roths are, it's not necessarily helpful right now, but it will be down the road. Um, There's also benefits if you um, want to hire your kids in your business. Um, Now there's strict rules around that and things that need to happen. So I I tell clients that's not something that you want to attempt on your own. You want to talk to a professional about that, especially with you're getting into things like labor laws and payroll taxes and it it can be a headache. Um, But 
making sure you're setting that um, money aside for retirement is going to help you. Uh, and think about taxes this way is like, as every year closes, you can't go back and make a retirement contribution. So I know that it can be hard to put money aside for that. But even if you're putting, let's say you put $1,000 aside in a traditional IRA, that is really costing you $800 if you're in a 20% bracket because you're saving 20% right there. So that money is going to magnify over time and it's teaching you the discipline to set money aside and you're saving taxes. So as a tax year closes, you can't go back and make that money up later. So do as much as you can now. Right. And we've talked about this a little bit and I am a big Dave Ramsey fan. And he says to invest before you pay off your mortgage. And we have actually been living the opposite for the past couple of years. And we're trying to switch that way of thinking. We are always, we were always thinking pay off our mortgage, pay off our mortgage, pay off our mortgage, because then we would have that extra income to be able to put into our IRA and our retirement. But if you're younger, you need to invest into your, put more into your retirement now because it's going to compound. Plus, Plus, you're also earning more on your retirement than what you're actually paying in your in your interest. So, yeah, yeah. So if you, if maybe that tidbit of advice will help somebody out, go ahead and invest, even if it's just like a hundred dollars more this month. You know, you have yeah. an extra hundred. Don't go spend it. Just, just get it. Go ahead and put it in your account really quick. Because if not, if it sits in your bank account, you're going to spend it. <laughs> yeah, and it's all about discipline and creating that habit. Because right. if you do that several months in a row, you're not going to miss that hundred dollars. Right. You know, you're not going to miss it, and and you're going to be very thankful in you know 20, 30, 40 years from now. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Joy, for being on the podcast today and giving. So so much good free advice. I mean, I do not take this for granted at all. Your time is valuable and your knowledge is valuable and you are going to help so many people, especially just small business owners have more knowledge just to feel more at peace with, with their business and to not ignore it and to just um, get better organized and have be better disciplined with their habits and keeping their stuff organized as well. Yeah. And I'll say too, you know, um, we don't, um, we mainly work with a little bit bigger businesses, but if there's something that we didn't cover today and you have a question about, I'll be happy to answer that. Um, the easiest way to find me is probably Instagram, um, or Facebook. We have both on there, Align CPA. And, you know, if you have a specific question, just shoot it over to us. I'll be happy to answer it. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll probably have you back on the podcast because there might be some other questions, maybe next year, maybe next tax season, we can, we can do a round two. So, all right. Thanks, Joy. I appreciate you being on. Friends, let me just tell you that in the past, I have not been the best with keeping up with taxes. I have a network marketing business, I'm a small business, and then I started my organizing business. And I have just not been the best at keeping up with receipts, tracking my mileage. And this year, or this past year, I had decided that I was ready to grow up, take ownership of my business, and really get organized with my paperwork. I had gotten organized in all the other areas of my life, 
my motherhood, my home maintenance, my marriage. And this area with my business, with my taxes, was the area for me to focus on in 2021. So let 2022 be the year that you keep track, you keep better track with your finances, with your business, with your budgeting. If you're not budgeting, you need to start budgeting. And I do... I personally do a a lot of one-on-one coaching with clients. If you're not used to budgeting, I can help walk you through what that looks like. I have a lot of experience from Jared and I using a budget our entire marriage. So if that's something you're interested in, please reach out. I would love to help coach you through that. If you need coaching on organizing your business for your taxes and for your paperwork and how I can share with you how I organize my paperwork. Reach out. You do not have to do this alone. That is the beauty of community. And why why not outsource something you're not good at? That is something that I am taking on as well. I am outsourcing to services that are much better at these tasks than I am. So friend, you do not have to drown in your disorganization. Let somebody come in, help you, and help coach you through these steps. Okay, friends, one more reminder, sign up for the Photo Reset Bootcamp, okay? It's these little things in our life that we tend to ignore, just like our taxes. We tend to ignore our pictures, our digital clutter, And before we know it, we are overwhelmed with how much we have. You do not have to be overwhelmed. I will walk you through the process of decluttering and getting them organized. Go to habitsandhome.com slash photo reset. All right, I'll see you this Friday for a new No Fluff Friday.